What's up? My name is Pablo Gonzalez, host of the Chief Executive Connector podcast. And if you want to learn to design your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to my homegirl, Amber Foreman, with the More Than Corporate podcast, because guess what? She did it. So you want to follow suit? Get on there. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am really excited to bring Pablo Gonzalez to you through this amazing interview today. And um, if you guys haven't met Pablo, you're going to be glad that you did. He has so much energy. He's so amazing. He is the Chief Connection Officer, which I, this is just a title that I want to have, but um, Pablo is obsessed with human connection and he's used his expertise to manage a 120 person, $15 million construction business at just the age of 25. He builds various young professional groups for charities, and he's been named as a Latino leader of the future by Latino Leaders Magazine and a top 20 under 40 for Brickle Magazine. This has led to becoming the, the founder and ex chief executive connector at Connect with Pablo, a content marketing and community creation agency, proving that community creation is the future of business development, the host of the Chief Executive Connector podcast, and the Not Your Average Investor Show. And he's an award-winning speaker. More than anything, he's dying to be your friend. And let me tell you, you should be Pablo's friend as well. Pablo, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Amber, that was quite a mouthful you read there that I made you read. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, I'm you, doing great. I'm doing great. You I'm paid me well. You paid That's me right. well. I did. I did. Really quickly, before we get into this interview with Pablo, I want to talk to all of you out there who have said, I'll be happy when, who are waiting for that magic fairy to drop all that happiness on you when you hit that external idea of success that you've cre created in your mind. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but when you hit it, nothing's going to change. You are not going to magically morph into this ball of happiness. You only get there by specifically identifying what success means to you and being able to set action steps on how to accomplish that success. If somebody was to ask you, what does success mean? And you cannot answer that question, then the design your life mastermind is for you. We're going to dig into how to design a life that you love, how to create the success you've always wanted. So head over to designyourlife.successdevelopmentsolutions.com and we'll get you headed towards a life that you love. Now let's hear from Pablo. Pablo, man. Yes. We um we connected at Podmax and I just I can't say enough about the connections that I make at this amazing event. I feel like they just keep coming. These it's like ah, it's such a great event. But Amber, 
we connected prior in Travis Chapel's Facebook group. We took like an exploratory call and we then Podmax has just ignited this bonfire of friendship between us, right? You are right. You are right. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really awesome. appreciate it. So we're live streaming this to the community. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to ask them. Pablo, how does one become a chief connection officer? Listen, Amber, I, so two things, right? Number one, in my, in my thesis of community creation for business development, early on, I identified this idea that every company needs to have somebody that is a C-level executive whose sole focus is to find the alchemy between your clients, your employees, your network, your partnerships and figure out how to, how to, how to serve connections between that. Cause that from a personal level, I have always found that that is the, the people that do the best in life are those people are the people that get to know people, find out what they're about, connect them with somebody that they know. So it just only makes sense to me that in this future vision that I have where community creation is, is the tool that everybody needs to abide by, which I really think is coming. Cause I think the world is automating and digitalizing and blah, 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 blah. And employee churn and customer churn and all these things are going to continue to happen as everything gets commoditized. I, I believe that that is a part of my thesis that needs to happen. So I just went ahead and gave myself that title on another side of it. I'm a really big, I'm obsessed right now with category design and category King creation. And the, key tenet to that is the idea that marketing yourself as different is better than marketing yourself than better, right? So within the idea that different beats better, I've realized that I've done this throughout my life, right? Like I, when I first, when my green building company got acquired by my biggest client and I went in house, I made up the name director of sustainability in like 2010, 2011, and I would go to these green building conferences. I was the only one. Five, six years later, there were like a handful of directors of sustainability, right? When I got to Miami and, you know, I was working on this whole sustainability stuff and, and, and thinking that Miami was going to sink into the ocean, that was the way that I got known as. I became the sustainability guy because I had this unique title. When I was transitioning in my, from, you know, I transitioned from construction to tech, from tech, I kind of took a 90 day purposeful pause to figure out where I want to be in 10 years. And, and, and I've created this company after that, instead of introducing myself as somebody in between jobs, I introduced myself as a professional networker and that raised a bunch of eyebrows, opened a bunch of eyes. Right. So like in, in every way that anytime that I'm obsessed about something, I tend to make up a title for myself that explains what it is and makes somebody go home. Huh? And that way I know that I stand out and I know that I'll be memorable and it leads to more conversation. So that's kind of the two sides of it, right? Like it is, it is a key fixture in my, in my future thesis, which I'm well on the way to proving right now. And as I reverse engineer, I realize that giving myself unique titles is a really, really good way to, to become memorable, be well-known, start conversations. It, it, it helps you separate from the pack. Oh my gosh. So much amazing stuff to unpack there. Um, first of all, I want to hit on this different beats better. I think that that yes. in and of itself is super powerful and worth all the time investment that anybody is making and listening to this podcast. I feel like so many times we are told or we believe, or we think we hear that we have to fit into a box. And so we spend all of our time trying to take all of the things that make us different 
and fit into a box. And you're saying that that's the wrong way to do things. 100%, 100%, right? So the, the human brain works kind of like how you're moving through the grocery store aisle, right? The grocery store is separated into specific aisles because your brain needs to categorize things. If you walk into a room, again, by the way, this is if you want to be memorable, if you want to open doors, if you want to make a name for yourself, right? Like if, if you are trying to hide in plain sight, you know, then, then this isn't necessarily the conversation for you. I don't know why you would be listening to Amber's podcast anyways, right? But <laughs> the human brain likes to categorize things, right? So the moment that you, that somebody puts you as, oh, you're an attorney, you just go into the bucket of attorneys, Right. The moment they put you into, oh, you're a podcaster that's in lifestyle design that happens to create law. Now you're in your own category, right? There's no other attorney that's doing what they're doing. And now you reside in a special place in people's brain that they think of you differently when the word comes up. They don't associate you with attorney. They associate you with somebody that can help them find a better life, right? So the idea the idea that we that we try to fit into this box, right? When people ask you what you do and you say, I'm an accountant, people are just going to be like, okay, well... That goes into like the list of like 35 accountants I met at the last Chamber of Commerce event. But it, if you talk about, if you're an accountant and people ask you what you do and you're like, listen, man, I'm really passionate about solving for tax returns for people that have three children and are looking to buy a house, right? Like it immediately it just separates you, right? So it's like market towards the thing that you're trying to solve to, not your solution, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to create connections. So I'm telling everybody, listen, we need to understand that people are valuable. Like the more different somebody is, the more valuable they are to you because the more you have to learn to them. And I never shut up about that. And because I never shut up about that, people automatically assume that I have the solution for, okay, then how do I learn from others? How do I connect with other people? How do I bring people into my life? Simply because I'm addressing the need that I'm trying to solve. And that is what makes you different, right? You create your own category of problem solving and people then categorize you there. And now next time they see somebody that's a chief connection officer, chief executive connector, they're like, oh, no, no, I already got one of those, right? Like they're done. If there's ever two of you, like this is the best, this is the best um, title ever. And it's so funny. I, my, my mind is flashing back to a Tough mutter that I ran where we all had to put, um, we were volunteering and we put our name tags on and my trainer, we're all putting our name tags on with our name. And I turn around and he has director of high fives on his name tag. Love it. And all of a sudden, like people were walking up to him going director of high fives. Like, do you work for Tough Mudder? Like, what is this? Right. And so we always joke that I introduce him as the director of high fives. So this is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of questions that I have for you. Oh, go ahead. Just to go into right into micro. It's no, it's no different than the person that shows up to the network working with a bow tie, right? Like, yeah, if you know, it's just like whatever you have that's unique about you is going to inspire connection because people are going to be like, oh, you're the bow tie guy. And now I know you, right? Like they, they, they just, you're able to categorize people. So, you know, whatever, I, I've never been that person that has like the gimmicky thing that I wear at a networking, like a button or something like that. But I know, I know people that use that and it works really well for them, right? Like, because they want that crutch. And if you need that crutch to, to be known, then, then use it, right? Like I, I very strategically use titles to do it, right? Yeah, I love that. So two things, um, first of all, talking about this gimmicky thing for lack of a better description, because there's so much of it. Like when you say that I'm flashing to about seven attorneys that I know that like, you just hear a description of them and you know exactly who they are because of what they wear. Yeah. But I also know that that's who they are 
in personality. Like their personality is bold. Their personality is out there. So when you're um, deciding how you're going to stand out, what is your advice for making sure that that thing is actually authentic to your personality? Represent stuff that you love, right? Like it's to, to me, it's be the bad signal for the things that you want in your life, right? Like just when I was, when I was, you know, knee deep in the sustainability stuff, all I talked about was like, listen, man, we need to solve this problem, right? Like we, like Miami is sinking. We're going to be the, we're going to be the, the sacrificial lamb of first world sea level rise problems. Do you want that? Right? Like I wouldn't shut up about that. Now I'm just always like, listen, man, you, you need to have people around you. Like the, the, the quickest way to grow, the quickest way to learn is to have quality people around you. Right? So if you want to take it way back, I, used to never stop quoting Ace Ventura. I still kind of do it once to thrice a day, right? So like for the first, you know, from like fifth grade to about when everybody stopped subscribing to cable, anytime <laughs> like Ace Ventura was on TBS or HBO or whatever, I'd get a random text from someone like, dude, Ace Ventura's on TV. I just thought about you. And boom, all of a sudden someone is thinking about me, right? Like, and 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 that person that's thinking about me may, may be thinking about me and it may lead to a nice conversation or it may lead to, what are you up to these days? Oh my God, I may be able to use that service. Or I mean, you know, like it just, if, if you give people an easy way to remember you, it leads to opportunities for you to help them in the things that you want. So again, the gimmick has to be something that you generally are into, right? Like if somebody was calling me every single time they, I don't know, read the Bible, like I, I don't really want to have like a, like a Bible talk with everybody every time I, I, I talk with someone, right? I know that's a horrible example, but you know, if you are, if you are known for things that bring a smile to your face, then you can't lose. Yeah. I love that. So taking this out of just connecting with people and creating this name for yourself, we're now talking about like these mass marketing strategies, right? Yeah. Make yourself make, because so much of being marketing isn't about what you do. It's about who you are. It's about being top of mind. It's about being memorable when somebody needs to remember you. And so, so many people are focused on what do I use to like, what procedure do I get my marketing out? How do I do Facebook ads? How do I do that when they should be focused on how do I make people remember me? hundred percent, right? It's, it's no like and trust, right? So you gotta get, you gotta get people to know you. And you're only going to have a certain amount of retention of the people that you meet. So you can either have to meet the same person five times before they remember you, or you make a really great first impression. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to the, and to the marketing tactic thing, this whole category design thing is a, is a marketing and business development tactic, right? Like there's this book called play bigger where they analyze all of the companies that IPO would in the last 10 years. And those that took a category King kind of approach to things and they delineate what they did. And it's just phenomenal. It's literally the only book I've ever read twice in 12 months. And I just finished <laughs> it again. Cause as I'm launching my company, I'm like, dude, I need to hit this again. Cause this is, it's, it's brilliant. Right. And it is, it is the whole market, the problem. Right. And like the more you market the problem, the more people think that you own the solution. And then once you do that, you need to figure out how to encapsulate the problem as a category. And if you can, and if you can create the category and dominate it, then the, what the statistics show is that you end up owning 73, 75% of the market cap of that category, right? So like forever, Netflix is going to be, when I say live streaming entertainment, you're going to think Netflix. So that means that Netflix is going to have 75% of that category and Hulu and Disney plus and all these other people are going to fight for the rest of it, right? Like same thing with Uber, same thing with Google, same thing with Facebook, right? Like these, these companies that dominate categories, that's, that's, 
the monetary incentive of it is because you create your own market capitalization. So when you think about like GoPro, you know, GoPro dominates the extreme sports action camera and, but it's a category that has a certain limit, right? Like at a certain point, it, it, it stops growing. And then you think about companies like Apple that have been continuous category creators, right? Like, you know, if nobody says MP3 player, they say iPod, nobody says smartphone, they say iPhone, nobody says tablet, they say iPad, right? Like, they've done it over and over. So I just very, very much adhere to those principles. And then the last chapter of the book talks about how as a person, you can do category design. And I'm like, oh, this has been me my whole life, right? <laughs> I love it. Name of that book one more time. Play Bigger. Play Bigger. I like it. Uh-oh, he's got a copy. <laughs> yes. Oh, I even like the cover. Yeah, it's cool. The cover even stands out. All right, that is going on my reading list. I so, could not recommend it more. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So let's step back for just a minute and go back to this different beats better idea. Um, you're creating these titles for yourself, which I completely understand since I'm a success architect and I don't know that one of those exists anywhere, right? Yep. Um, but there's this imposter syndrome that goes on when somebody says, oh, I can't name myself that. That's not a thing. How do you work through that? And what advice do you have for somebody that still feels like they need to shy down to fit into yeah. this? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what, Amber? I've just never... I've never created a title for myself that I didn't fully wholeheartedly buy into, right? Like I don't, I'll be honest with you, right? I, I have not considered myself CEO level material, even though the rest of my circle kind of growing up and to this day, see me as somebody that is a sharp businessman can be an executive kind of thing. I really didn't start believing it until about three months ago, right? Like about three months ago, I started really seeing myself in front of like 45 people in this like semi-industrial loft office space talking about how we finish the year and our core values and the vision that we have for next year and blah, blah, blah. Before that, I didn't, right? So I didn't, I never call myself CEO Pablo. I never call myself, you know, um, exec Pablo, billionaire Pablo, right? Like I'm not calling myself that, but as a connector, you know, by the time that I graduated into this chief executive connector thing, that really is all I've ever seen myself as, right? Like I am somebody who is constantly seeking connection, constantly seeking how to connect people with others and trying to play that the way that you're a success architect. I, I see myself as a community architect, right? Like I'm always trying to pair people and I'm trying to be a tour guide and a, and a hype man and a friend all at once kind of thing, right? So I would say the short answer to that is stick within your means, man. Like stick, stick to, stick to only the things that you really full wholeheartedly believe in your heart of hearts that you may not be the person that you want to be in that realm, but you sure shit care way more about that subject and that action and that ability than anybody that you know. Yeah, that's a really powerful answer. And I think that it's really going to connect with a lot of people who are out there saying, oh, I don't know if I resonate with this. The title is important, but it's not as important as the actions. Like you want it to stand out and then your actions have to fit to that. Um, and I love the way that you said that you didn't see yourself as CEO material because we heard your bio. You have this amazing ability to connect with somebody and to bring in an audience and to just command attention. And um, everybody around you says, oh, I'm a CEO, your CEO material. And I think that that just shows that this idea of imposter syndrome is real everywhere, right? That there's always this idea of, am I 
am I this? And when you break it down and say, just stay with in what's true to you. Yeah. So my, my second question to that, because you have not stayed within a comfort zone at any point in time. So how do you stay true to you and also push yourself to new heights at the same time? I think staying true to you requires pushing yourself to new heights all the time, right? Like I, you know, being true to myself is the reason why I left a very successful 15 year career in construction where I just never saw myself as the head of a construction company. And I knew that there was something else out there for me. And I, you know, took this gamble joining this startup in, in the tech world for Amazon sellers that are doing retail arbitrage, right? Like the, 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 the bottom of the rung of like e-commerce kind of thing. Um, just because I'm like, listen, man, if there's people making money like that, then this whole fortune 500 exec life, isn't the only path then, with all due respect, dad, I followed your advice for 36 years, but I need to go prove something to myself, man. You know, like, I think that's it. I think, I think being true to myself is the reason why I have continued to push my comfort zone because I was never comfortable being myself in any other, in, in any other realm. And I don't think it's by coincidence that now that I have, you know, I, I still don't really call myself a marketer, right? Even though I have a marketing company, but now that I have found this field and this methodology and this built a company around harnessing my superpower to serve others as the way that my company goes. Now I'm feeling real comfortable, right? Like now, now I'm just like, yeah, okay. Now I see myself growing this company being, you know, I see myself going past a million bucks this year. I see it, you know, scaling up to a $10 million company, right? Like I, you know, that the, the best thing I can tell you is that when, when you're in flow, when you're in integrity, I guess is the term, right? Like when you are, when you are back to square one, if you figure out what you're really good at, that you love doing, then you figure out how you can serve others with that ability. Then you figure out how that service can be monetized in an authentic way when you're not, that you're not feeling cheesy. And by that, I mean, my skill set, everybody's like, oh, have a mastermind. Oh, charge people for introductions. Or, and I'm like, dude, I don't want to, I like, I've been in a fraternity. It was awesome, but I don't really, <laughs> I don't really want people to pay to be my friend, right? Like I want to do it somewhere, some other way. I stuck true to that. And I figured out a service that literally allows me to be a hype man, which is what I am born to do. And I love doing, and I love connecting people with each other and making them feel special and making their message feel heard. And once I figured that out and I monetized it once, it's fucking over, man. Like, like now it's just like, all right, how can I do that more and more and more and more? And the reason why I now see myself as a CEO, Amber, is because I've never been able to be disciplined around these things, right? Like I've never, I've, I've always been talented. I've always had this, but I've never been able to like keep a really, really disciplined plan. And now that I am right there at the cusp of this, just like Per, I don't want to call it a perfect life, but I'm just so happy and so energized all the time that the discipline piece has never been easier for me because it's so obvious that the more disciplined I am around what I'm doing, the more I get to do the shit that I love doing. <laughs> and so, oh my gosh. Oh my it. gosh. I love your energy right now. Like I'm sitting back here just wanting to, ah, like <laughs> yeah, I need pom poms, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm um, pumped. You know what, if I could sum this up in just a couple of minutes, it sounds like the answer is be you make money. Like that's, 
That's where we're at, right? Yes, and let yes. go of, which, which I love so much because that's the moral of this podcast. Let go of what everybody else tells you is success. Let go of what everybody else tells you you're supposed to be doing with your life. Be you, make money. Dude, and, and the beauty of it, Amber, is that we would not have been able to say this and scream it from the mountaintops 10 years ago. Oh, God, But no. the fact of the matter is that the internet has allowed this. Yeah, now 100%. That, you know, now that you can connect with 10,000 people, right? If you get 10,000 people to give you 100 bucks a year, that's a million bucks a year, right? And 10,000 people in internet land is nobody. That's the size of a high school, right? Like, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's all you got to monetize. And you have no longer, you don't have geographic restrictions around it. So you are able to find your tribe. And in a world of however billion people there are, there's 10,000 people that need you, man. They really do. Yeah. So, so true, man. I'm loving this conversation and I love your um, commitment to connection. So I want to move this in just a little bit. What exactly is a relationship flywheel? The relationship flywheel is my way of category creating what I do, right? Like it is, it is a, it is a term that I, that I, as soon as I, as soon as I manifested that term, people are like, Oh, I want it. <laughs> right. Throughout my career and throughout my late twenties, early thirties, I had this transition where I've always been from a young, from a young age, I've been very relationship driven, right? Like moved around three continents before the age of nine. I've always wanted to belong and make sure that the new kid at school belongs and blah, 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 blah. Right. I always did it out of like personal gain to a certain extent, right? Like when I was seven years old, I would ask to sit by myself on the plane when we flew from Madrid to Venezuela because the first time I did it, I got an old guy to buy me a Toblerone. So from there on out, I saw everybody as a mark, you know? So in my early thirties, I started realizing that the shelf life of the funny guy exists, right? As I, as I started getting on the boards of charities and, 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 you know, like really leveling up with who I was rubbing elbows with in society, I started looking around and, re and realizing the most influential people, the people that have the access to the greatest things and relationships and whatnot, they connect through service, right? Like they are able to meet people, find out what they're about, put them in contact with somebody else that needs it, right? So at that point, I got really focused in on that. Then when my brother passed away and 1,200 people showed up to his funeral, I realized that the greatest value and service you can give people is community. Right. So that, that at that point was just became apparent to me. Then I started just really leaning in on that, like really iterating on that piece. And what I realized at one point when I got acquired, I became director of sustainability for this construction company. And they kind of put me in a hole to die. Right. Like they were just like, oh, all right, we got the hippie guy that we need to like to finish the presentation. And like he makes us look good in public, but there is no career track inside this hospital university builder for director of sustainability guy to move up or down in because he's his own category, right? And as I try to be more valuable, and as I'm like feeling like I'm at a dead end, I'm getting named like top 20 under 40 on Latino Leaders magazine, right? So it's the juxtaposition was there, right? So I'm like seeking how to how to how to thread that needle. And at the and at one one day the CEO of my company got invited to speak on a panel for smart cities. And he didn't want to go last minute. So they sent me instead. And when I get there, it's at the Economic Development Agency of Miami in front of like 100 people. And I share the stage with the head of Latin America for Cisco Systems and the head of the Smart Cities Initiative for the World Bank and 33-year-old Pablo who's at a dead end in his career. 
cool. I do my thing. When I come off it, there's a line, six people deep waiting to talk to me. I had never happened to me before. And as I'm going through these conversations, I'm like, oh, everybody here thinks I'm more important than I am. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, and at that moment, I'm like, the stage, right? So because I was on the stage and because they were in the audience, they attribute a certain level of validation to what I was saying. And because I was on stage with people of a certain ilk, I became guilty by association of the people of that ilk, right? So I'm like, this is a great trick. How can I use it? And my first, my first move at this point was I had, you know, created these young professional groups. So I reached out to this developer that was building this high rise in a high income, low density area in Miami called Coral Gables. So, you know, high income people don't want a high rise in their backyard, but it was on top of the Metro rail station in front of university of Miami. And by doing that, I knew that it was called transit oriented development. They were incentivizing public transportation investment in Miami. And I knew that that was important. So this developer is having a hell of a time getting that thing approved. I reach out to him. I'm like, hey, man, I know what you're up to. It's transit-oriented development. I know a politician on the board of one of my charities that is super into public transportation. And I know a land use attorney that is really into it too. I want to have an event for my young professional groups talking about the importance of public transportation and how developers fit into the mix you down. And he's like, yeah, I'm in. So have this event. Cost me nothing like 20 young professionals show up. Don't make him any money, but I put him on a stage. I introduced him to a politician that was friendly with his cause, introduced him to a land use attorney that's friendly with his cause. A week later, he's in the office saying, hey man, are you guys going to bid on the $60 million project or what? Right? So we're backdooring this big, this big project. And you know that was the transcendent moment of, okay, so now I figured out that when you connect with people, it's about having value, right? Like finding people's value and enabling relationships. And the stage is the multiplier of that. And as I iterated through this, I realized that there's stages everywhere, right? Like content, this is a stage, right? Your Facebook live that we're doing right now, people are seeing me on a screen. I have that same effect of being on, you know, like it's the same thing. I'm in the audience, you're on the stage. So whatever crap I say, they're going to give an extra little bit of value to it, right? So as I figured that piece out, I came up with this formula that is a flywheel of value, relationships, and content. And the idea is that if you can figure out who you're trying to serve, right, and what they care about, right? So your clientele, Amber, are people that are transitioning in life. They, they probably aren't super happy with their job. They're thinking about starting a new career or taking a new promotion. They're about to get into personal development or they're in personal development. They're reading a bunch of books, right? So that's that persona. You represent one solution to them, but in your network and probably in your clientele themselves, there's a bunch of people that also have advice to give them, right? It's very similar to what you're doing right now, right? Like you get this intuitively. So if you can attract, if you can design a stage that can be uh, like a live event stage or a Facebook live feed or a podcast or an email list or a blog or however you want to do it, right? Like your Instagram feed can do it, right? David Meltzer does it going live on his Instagram feed. And you can just bring in people, attract them with the value that you have to offer, right? So today you're like, we're going to teach you somebody who's going to grow with relationships. That's the value, right? That's the carrot. People show up to see that. When you're on that stage, you enable three relationships. You enable the relationship with the person that you're hosting, right? So that is the intimate dinner out, get to know you, what are your hopes and dreams, right? So like us, by doing this, we're, we're getting closer, if you also, you're also enabling the relationship with your clientele at large, right? So people showing up to your Facebook live right now feel like they just had an, they're going to feel like they just had an hour long call with you. And whether it's five people or 20 people or 60 people, that's better than five hour long calls, 20 hour long calls, 60 hour long calls. 
And then the third piece is enabling the, the third relationship, the guest and the audience, right? And the way that that looks is when somebody asks a question, instead of saying, oh, here's a good question, you say, oh, here's a question from uh, Lee, who's been here a couple of times. And I know that Lee lives in Baltimore and he's trying to transition into this type of life. And you phrase it kind of like an intro, right? So at that point, you're enabling the relationships. And then you take, as long as you're doing that on a regular basis, and you take the one hour long conversation and you turn it into the podcast, the YouTube channel, the best of YouTube show, you know, the seven different Instagram clips of me going crazy, saying something that I really care about <laughs> and you being into it. The five questions that the, that the, that the, that the audience asked with their name being said as, as the audience, you, t- you make five cool cards of the best things that I say, you turn the, you turn the lessons learned into uh, an email that you send to your group. You turn the email into a blog post that's SEO optimized to your group. Now you've taken this like one C, this one relationship enablement thing and planted it across six different ecosystems in 20 different pots. And the more that you do that, it turns into this flywheel, right? Like if you look at my, if you look at my social media feed, it's not about me. It's not, it's not trying to be the star of the stage. It's being the stage itself, right? So like the more that you are having these conversations and saying, oh, okay, this is who you are and the value you have to offer. Hey, everybody, this is this person that has this to offer who needs it. You know, like the more people come into your life and, you know, in this world of relationship businesses, that is relationship scaling in my opinion, right? Like we, you know, this is, this is how you scale relationships. And by the way, that's the category that I'm trying to create is relationship scaling. Because I think there's marketing. I think there's networking. I think there's content, you know, and there's CRM and whatever, but who is actually addressing this idea that nowadays we have access to way more relationships than we ever had, right? Like I have way more casual friends thanks to Facebook and Instagram than I ever had. And I've always always super popular. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, how do we continue to scale this and how do we turn this into like a, a system of scaling relationships that's true to the new context of today, which is a digital and in-person context. So that's the relationship flywheel is the solution to relationship scaling. You know, this is one of those moments that I talk about so much on my podcast that I forget that I'm hosting an interview and I just want you to like keep teaching me. Holy cow, that's amazing. That's so amazing. Um, And one of the things that you said, I think is super, well, there's so much you said that's super powerful, but one that really stuck out at me is your Facebook feed isn't about you trying to take over the stage. You are the stage. And I think that's something that's missing so much and I can tell you something that I've struggled with in the past that I recently got over was I'm not going to talk about my podcast on my profile, on my Facebook profile, because I don't want to highlight me. But then as soon as you take that out and you're like, it was never about me to begin with, right? As soon as you become the stage and you highlight the other person, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, all that pressure goes away. And what's really interesting to me about what you do is there are so many people out there who have great intentions and really awful execution. And then they kind of get lost in this sea of Facebook messages or Instagram messages or LinkedIn messages where they say, oh, I want to add value to you. And to me, the moment somebody says, oh, I just see we became Facebook friends. Let me add value to you. I'm like, what are you trying to sell me? What do you want me to buy? What do you want me to join? And so what you're talking about is a way to give that without having to use the words that everybody triggers. Okay. I don't want to talk to you because you're going to sell me something. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, 
in all honesty, I do use those words, right? Like I am, I'm always like, whenever I like, I connect with somebody on LinkedIn, I'm like, Hey man, just hoping to follow along here and see where I can add value to your journey. Right. Cause, but it's not like, Hey man, I want to add value to you. Let's hop on a call right now. So I can add value to you. It's just like, yeah. dude, I, it's, it's very casual, right? Like I, you know, um, but you're right. At the end of the day, human beings are happiest when they're in service, right? So I, I, I learned this in networking when I was, before my revelation, I was walking into a room thinking, what story am I going to tell? How am I going to like be funny? You know, whatever. And then when it, when it switched to just like, oh, I wonder who I'm going to meet and I wonder how I'm going to help them. It made it way easier to walk into a room full of strangers. And the moment that I realized that the person standing alone or even the person that's already in a conversation inside of a networking room, their biggest fear is to not be in a conversation and look like a douche it made it real easy to introduce myself to people, even if they're in conversation or not. Cause it's like, Oh, I just released that pressure valve of, do I check my phone? Do I walk around looking <laughs> like I know somebody? Do I go get my fifth scotch? Right? Like uh, as long as you phrase it to yourself, as you're being in service, you're really enabled. It really enables you to do whatever you think is right. right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad that you pointed that out because I guess you're right. I do reach out to people and say, Hey, I want to see how we can add value. And then there's just a difference in the way it's done um, for sure. So I appreciate that um, pointing that difference out. Um, so this relationship flywheel, if somebody wants to learn more about you, about what you're doing with it, about how they can incorporate this into their life and their business, what's the best way for them to contact you? connect with Pablo everywhere, right? My, my Instagram handle is connect with Pablo. My website is connectwithpablo.com. My business is be the stage. It's be the stage.live. That's where we execute the relationship flywheel as a service. And, and my podcast, the chief executive connector is really just a living document of the relationship flywheel, right? Like any, anywhere, anywhere that you interact with me, by the way, I would say LinkedIn, but finding Pablo Gonzalez in LinkedIn, is like finding <laughs> John Smith, right? Except Pablo Gonzalez is usually have six children. So it's, it's difficult. Um, but and they're all named Pablo Gonzalez. Yeah. 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 So, you know, what's funny, Amber, this is totally random, but my name, my name is, my name is very common in Latin Americans and we're a really, really large population. I have never ranked in any search engine, but now on Spotify or iTunes, if you put in Pablo Gonzalez, it's the chief executive connector show and the not average investor show. That's awesome. you know, there is, there is something, there is something really, really valuable about this world of audio that we're getting into. And this like real estate of like audio search, that's only going to get better and better that, you know, holding that real estate, I think has a lot of, has a lot, has a lot of value and worth, um, for the future. That's awesome. And, you know, just really side, um, semi-interesting fact, have you ever Googled yourself? Yeah. Because, um, I always Google, like the first thing I do is Google my guests and I'm like Pablo Gonzalez. And I forget how, um, popular your name is. And it came up with some like Mexican general. And I was like, that's Mm -hmm. not the Pablo Gonzalez I'm looking for. So in case you were wondering who you share a name with that among with others, I was like, wait a minute, that's not him. Yeah. So, so listen, if you put connect with Pablo and Google, if you put Pablo Gonzalez community, if you put Pablo Gonzalez networking, I show up. Right. But like awesome. Pablo Gonzalez by itself, impossible. If you put in chief executive <laughs> connector, it's only me. Right. That's my category. 
Of course, which is what we're talking about in this of how to stand out, right? How to stand out when people don't know you yet. Because obviously, when people meet you, you're unforgettable. Your energy is one of a kind. Your mm-hmm. your ability to, like I said, draw in an audience, your ability to add value to people, to just show up in a place of service is one of a kind. But until they experience that, you need something to get them going and that, that um, title is worth it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and I want to clarify something, right? I do have, I do have natural talent and being entertaining, but my ability to show up in a way that I'm likable is very much a worked on skill, right? Like, like I think any, just like anybody else, right? Like you, you, you work on it to get better. Right. I, I, I would say that in college, I showed up as an outrageous frat guy and that probably segmented my influence a decent <laughs> amount. Right. So, you know, sh- this this idea of showing up as somebody that wants to help everybody is genuine, but it's genuine because I just want to make as many friends as possible, right? Like I, I like I, like at first it was just like, well, I think if I'm Ace Ventura all the time, I make as many friends as possible. <laughs> if I if I'm doing beer funnels all the time, I make as many right. Like I was wrong, um, but but I th- I think you work on it, and and to the point that you were making, as somebody that speaks about networking and relationship building or whatever, I always get asked about the follow up right? Like, how do you follow up? What's your follow-up technique? And like I said, in my past, I have not been a super disciplined dude, but what I have learned is that if you make a great impression, your follow-up matters much less. (laughs) That's really interesting. And, and I can see it. I can see it. That's really interesting. Yeah. So like I, I'll be, I'll be randomly driving and I'll call somebody I haven't spoken to in three years that I met at a networking event or at a conference four years ago and they're like, Pablo, what's up? You know, like it's, it's a different effect. Right. So, so I've always, my whole life has been about this, this like first impression, how you enter a room, how you become known, how people associate you with a good feeling and want to be, you know, like how, how you open that door. Right. So like I tell people I'm a world-class opener and a mediocre closer. Cause I've never been, I've never been the backend conversion guy. Cause I, I, I'm too afraid of coming across as a jerk and you know, whatever, but as a, as a, as a top, top of funnel, like I, I think I'm world-class at it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I've loved this conversation and this relationship flywheel idea is, it, it's a game changer for sure, in your relationships, in your business, in everything. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit and head into the success element of this podcast. What particularly does success mean to you? In the beginning, the audience heard that you don't find success, you define it. And Mm -hmm. so I always ask my guests, what does success mean to you? Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of defined it a second ago, right? To me, to me, success has four steps and it is identifying the thing that you are born to do that you love doing that you think you can that 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 you're awesome at right like you know i i i love surfing i'm not awesome at it right like there's no way i'm ever going to make a living out of it right but like so i i identifying that thing that you love doing that you're great at figure out how to serve others with it instead of serving yourself with it only once you figure out how to serve others people with it figure out how to monetize that in a way that seems genuine to you and once you're able to monetize it in a way that seems genuine to you, scale around that, right? So to me, if you would have asked me three years ago, four years ago, I was at that level one. I was like, I'm, I, I, I was trying to figure out how I can 
you know, like, what is, what is that thing? I guess probably around four years ago, I realized this whole like connection thing is what I want to like be known for and, and, and my thing. And I'm really going to just dive into it somewhere around 2019. I realized I can serve people with it. When I went to a conference and I walked away with 25 friends and everybody was talking to like six people in a one day conference. Then it took me about six months to monetize it for the first time. Right. So like without doing the mastermind, whatever. And now I'm trying to build this like $20 million, $40 million company around it. Right. So to me, success is not the ability to do what you want to do. It's the doing what you want to do. Oh, that's powerful. I'm stealing that. I'm that there goes our cliff, right? There yeah. goes our clip. Don't we all? I'm just reading the book, Steal Like an Artist, and I'm in love with it. Have you read that yet? No, but I'm into it. Yeah, it's because uh, the first time, I mean, when, when we all get into the entrepreneurial space, we're like, oh my gosh, I can't steal somebody else's stuff, especially when you come from a highly intellectual background, because you, it's beat into you, like cite your sources, right? Like there's no plagiarism. If I go to court and say something and I don't say exactly where I got it, then I'm in big trouble. And then you come into the entrepreneur space and they're like, just still like an artist because nothing's unique anyways. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a different world. Yeah. Listen, I... I like to tell people that I got voted funniest in high school and I've never written a joke. I've only seen funny movies and used the lines, right? So like, to me, life is a recontextualization of things, right? Like I think as a, I think my great value that I do whenever I walk into any room and I'm advising anybody in business is this idea that I have just networked the hell out of everything that I know in business for the last 10 years. So if I meet a plumber, I can give him the thing that works well for a lawyer that may fit his bill, right? Like, or if yeah. I meet a lawyer, I can meet, I can tell them the thing that I know worked for a insulation worker that fits his bill, right? Just because I've always approached everybody from the standpoint of I can learn something from everybody. And if I can learn something from everybody, it's useful to other people. I love it. I love it. All right, man, before we wrap up, I'd love to do a quick random round, kind of put you on Let's the spot go. for just a minute. You okay with that? Yeah, yeah. All right. If you could have any profession other than what you're doing now, what do you think would be fun to attempt? Broadway star. Oh, I see it. I do. Yeah. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? That's a good one. Uh, I would love to be, I would love to be in that like early 1960s beginning of surf culture in Southern California. I think I, I think that is a really, really interesting time period. That was another prosperous era where we're coming off out of some heavy shit and, and the world is kind of like everything is roses and everybody's doing well, plus the birth of this like new sport and new culture that I, that I think is uniquely American. I love it. So as a side note, really quickly behind me on my bookshelf is a book called Making Mavericks. Have you um, read this book yet? I have not read that book, but I'm very familiar with uh, the story of how Mavericks got established as a surf spot. Yeah. So Making Mavericks is actually, so are you familiar with Jay Moriarty? The, the surfer, he was like a 16 year old surfer that got his, um, got his fame on surfing Mavericks. Is he, is he the guy that first paddled out of Mavericks? He was like the guy that like, kind of like made it the spot. Um, he's not the guy that made it the spot, but he's the okay. youngest one to do it. Okay. Um, but this book is written by his coach. Cool. And so it's all about like who he was and the type of person he had to be to coach one of the most well-known surfers ever. So I figured that might be right up your alley. It's an amazing sure. book. So yeah, yeah. The, the, the mindset of big wave surfers is something oh. that I'm really, really into. They're maniacs. <laughs> I, I like, I watched the movie chasing Mavericks on Netflix and I'm like, I don't, I can't, 
I can't yeah. even, I can't even Watch, imagine. There's an awesome documentary called Riding Giants that, that has the story of Mavericks and all the other big wave spots. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I've seen it a couple of times, but I haven't actually read it. I am afraid of being something snack. So I have not yet taken up surfing because I'm too afraid something's going to eat me. Um, So speaking of books, when you're consuming content, do you audiobook? Do you read books? Like what's your preference? Audio has changed the game for me, man. Because I don't know if you can tell, but I'm kind of ADD, right? So, So audio, when discovering, discovering serial as a podcast and understanding that this is a new way for entertainment and consumption of stuff while I'm doing other things has been a major, major catalyst. You know, like one of these like black swan events that really changed my life. Cause now while I'm cooking, while I'm walking the dog, like every morning I'm listening to like 45 minutes to an hour and a half of a book or a podcast or something. And all I'm doing is copying and stealing everything. I love it. So you already mentioned um, a book earlier today that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. If you had to suggest a book to a new entrepreneur that's just getting started in the business or personal development space, what would you suggest? Well, it would be different for both, right? Like if you are, if you are looking to build a company, I am super high on, do you know who Jim Collins is? The guy Uh that wrote Good to Great? So he just, so Jim Collins has essentially been asking one question for the last 25 years, which is how do you build an enduring company? And and within that, he wrote Good to Great and Built to Last and all this other stuff. He just wrapped up that chapter of his life and put it all into like one volume of all of his work called Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0. And it's unreal. Like it's amazing. Just a great blueprint of, It'll, it'll change your mind of what you thought works well for business. And it's going to make you much more people focused. I'll tell you that right now. And it's proven, right? Like this is like all the great companies. And the reason why they endure is because they got the right person in the right seat of the right bus, you know, and how to do I it. Love it. So super into that personal development depends what mindset you're in. Um, as far as the book that I go to when I'm down, I go to uh, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. I've read that book a couple of times in different times of my life. Mm-hmm. And then the book that really kind of started making me think a little bit different. And by the way, audiobook is fantastic is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Oh my gosh. So good. I tell people so that good. there are a few books that you have to listen to the audiobook. That I mean, if you choose to read the book, that's fine, but you have to listen to the audiobook. And that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, by the way, I think that that format, Malcolm Gladwell's latest audiobook, he did the same format. Like, I think, I think that is a new category defining format of, the mix between podcast and audiobook that I think is fucking genius. Yeah, I love it. And it's really interesting because one of the first um, books that I read in the entrepreneurial space was Crushing It by Gary Vee. And he um, attempts to do that, but he does it like mid chapter, right? So when he's reading the book, he's like, when I wrote this, this is what I meant, but I want to expand on this a little bit. And I loved that format, but then when they did it podcast style at the end of every chapter, I was like, now you get like the book as it was written and you get all the extra stuff at the same time. And I think you're right. It's going to be a game-changing way that audiobooks are recorded in the future. Dude, that part when he's talking about that story of carrying the boat with his like ruck crew or whatever, and then all of a sudden he he jumps into the chant and he's like, oh oh my God. I I I was listening to that on... I've only done like two or three trail runs in my life, but I was in the middle of this like trail run. I had no idea when the trail was going to end. I thought it was going to end like 10 minutes before I was still running right now. 
And like, I was like, should I walk? Should I not walk? All of a sudden that comes on. I'm like, it's like the best (laughs) workout companion of all time. man. It really is. You like when I'm working out with my personal trainer every now and then he's just like, what would David Goggins tell you to do? And I'm like, something I'm not going to do. Take souls. (laughs) Right. Take souls. (laughs) Excuse me. You got it. Yeah. I'm a, if I ever run a marathon, I'm just going to put that on and go. Oh, dude, it's the only way to do it. I, a, a marathon's on my list of things to do. And like, I, I hate running. I hate it, but it's got to happen. So, all right. Last question. And maybe the most important because I'm a music nerd. Yes. What's your pump up song? What is it that you listen to when you're ha- You just can't have a bad day. Oh man. I, uh, there's a song called greatest man that ever lived by Weezer. It's not, it's not my favorite song. It's not anything, but when I need, uh, when I need to be like, get into this, just like, I am all that is man kind of like thing. <laughs> like I, I, I go to that one before it used to be, um, the free Willy song, uh, the, um, will you be there by Michael Jackson? Like that's, I that's wish it. that I could like, honestly say, I didn't know what song you're talking about, but I yeah. do. Anybody who says that they didn't love free Willy, um, they're <laughs> lying. They're lying. It should be every person's guilty pleasure. And I guess, yeah, like it's an, I don't, I like, I, I haven't revisited that movie in a very long time, but I, I would watch it if it was on TV, but uh, that song, like homie, like, the way that <laughs> like, man, that, like that song is so like, will you be there? Like, man, that song is amazing. Right. So or I have to say, um, I'm going on 160 podcast episodes and you're the first guest to sing to me. Ooh, well, so look at that. Go um making first all over the place all right man i really appreciated our conversation one more time if people want to connect with you where's the best place for them to do that man that's so hard i I would love for them to search pablo gonzalez on itunes or spotify or whatever their favorite platform is and either pick the not your average investor show or pick the chief executive connector show those are those are really my babies that would be my favorite thing and then from there you can reach out to me um, but my home base is connectwithpablo.com. It's just like a website that I'm not like super pumped about, but you can find me on every platform or shoot me an email. My email address is you should at connectwithpablo.com because I want you to connect with me. Which is the best email ever. It's unforgettable, just like everything else that you do. So that's amazing, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I've really appreciated our time together. If you are listening to this on the YouTube channel or on the podcast and you wish that you could have heard it earlier, head over and join the Success Center Facebook community to get first access to all of these videos um, and be able to interact if you choose to do so. Pablo, thanks so much for coming on with me. I appreciate it. I'm in the Success Center. Hit me up in the Success Center if you want to talk to me. I'm down. Let's go. You are in the Success Center. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in. The name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.